I just, I just got word out in the hallway that it is almost 60 degrees outside. That's amazing, isn't it? I'm like, so thanks for coming. God bless you. Let's go enjoy the sunshine. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, uh, I uh, wanted to let you know, uh, Windsor, the new campus pastor starts out there today. And so pray for John and Kirsten Mel. Yeah, it's a, it's a big celebration. So we're pretty pumped about that. Keep them in your prayers. And uh, so many great things going on. Thank you for just giving your life to mission, to ministry. And I want to talk to you today about what it means to finish. You know, I, I've started things that I didn't finish. All of us probably have. But what does it mean to really finish well? Now, we've been looking at the life of Saul, became Paul. And if you weren't here the last couple of weeks, I just kind of, it's kind of a 2015 start our year thinking and talking about this stuff. How how are we going to live this year? And um, Saul had this great conversion, this light from heaven. He falls to the ground. He's blinded. He goes into the city. Ananias comes and finds him. God heals his blindness. He starts his ministry, changes his name to Paul. He's called Paul from then on, and he's a great apostle. He's a messenger. He's a preacher, teacher. It's just amazing. Uh, If you take out the life of Jesus in the Gospels in the New Testament, the majority of the New Testament, other than that, is around either Paul's life or the letters he wrote. And so it's fascinating. He perseverance last week. He made it through beatings and jail time and all kinds of stuff because of his faith. And today, we're going to see how he finishes. He's reached a place in his life where he's going to die. And I'll talk about that later. But he knew he was in a season of death. What did he do with his life? What are you going to do with your life? How will you finish? I want you to watch something. I think it's only like 90 seconds. But it's pretty profound and it says a lot. So listen carefully and take a look. These are roughly 28,835 jelly beans. I counted out 500 of them and used those to weigh the rest. In this pile, there's one jelly bean for each day that the average American will live. You might have more beans in your life, or maybe less, but on average, this is the time we have. Here's a single bean. It's your very first day. A special day, but kind of a rough day on everyone involved. Add 364 more and you have the first year of your life. Now, for a sense of scale, here are your first 15 years, 5,475 days, which brings us to the threshold of adulthood. And at that moment, this is the time that we have left. And this is, on average, what we will do with all that time. We will be asleep for a total of 8,477 days. If we're lucky, some of that time we'll be sleeping next to someone we love. We will be in the process of eating, drinking, or preparing food for 1,635 days. We'll be at work, hopefully doing something satisfying, for the equivalent of 3,202 of those days. 1,099 days will be spent commuting or traveling from one place to another. Maybe a little bit more if you live in L.A. On average, we will watch television in one form or another for a total of 2,676 days. Household activities, like chores and tending to our pets and shopping, will take another 1,576 days. And we will care for the needs and well-being of others, our friends and family, for 564 days. We'll spend 671 days bathing, grooming, and doing
bathroom-related activities, and another 720 days will go to community activities like religious and civic duties, charities, and taking classes. After we remove all those beans, this is what remains. This is the time that we have left. Time for laughing, swimming, making art, going on hikes, text messages, reading, checking Facebook, playing softball, maybe even teaching yourself how to play the guitar. So what are you going to do with this time? How much of it do you think you've already used up? If you only had half of it, what would you do differently? What about half of that? How much time have you already spent worrying instead of doing something that you love? What if you just had one more day? What are you going to do today? Makes you think, doesn't it? It's interesting, um, the concept of how many days we have in this life. Now, we really don't know. No one really knows the day they're going to die. But it is fascinating to me that um, Paul knew he was in a season where death was closer. And through the years, I've been in environments as a pastor where people have passed away and their family was gathered around them. And uh, it's, always a, it's always a challenge. I've seen tragic death where no one was expecting it. And this young person is in an accident and everyone's shocked and it's disbelief. But uh, that's, that's life. That's how it is. We don't know. So I want you to just take a minute. The first thing on your, on your outline there, uh, if you're following along, it says epitaph. Now an epitaph is what you want on your gravestone, right? And so we're going to do something we haven't done. We call this our living room. And it's where we talk about real life. 2015, we're highly committed to being really practical, vulnerable, and open. So I, w- I want you to take 60 seconds and do the best job you can with writing your epitaph. Okay? So get out a pen. If you don't have a pen or you don't want to write it down, in your mind, think of a, a sentence. It can't be too long because it's got to be... And, and I'll, I'll tell you this. We're not going to hold you to it. So if you die, you're not saying you for sure want this. Okay? And if you want to write something cute, that's okay. You can make it funny if you want to. But uh, go ahead and take about 60 seconds and, and write it down or put it in your phone or, or just think about it. One of my favorites is, I told you I was sick. You can keep working on that if you want to for a few more seconds, but I'm going to read some. I, and I would like to do this. We have one more service, so um, if, you, if you found something clever or deeply meaningful and, and you want to give it to me to read in the next one, just set it up here on the stage before you leave today, okay? And we're collecting them. But listen to some of these. Um, he lived, loved, and laughed with the best. This has been given to me a couple times this weekend. My good people, as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, soon you shall be. Prepare yourself to follow me. Interesting, huh? The last day was greater than the first in the Lord. I used all my jelly beans. (laughs) That's good, isn't it? There's another one kind of like that, too. She had one jelly bean left, and she ate it. (laughs) 
She loved food more than humans. <laughs> That's from me. I just got that one. <laughs> Unconditional love never fails. So true. Loved God by loving people. That's good. Um, this is funny. Last night, a teenage boy, awesome, awesome kid named Isaac, he came up to me and handed it to me with a little smirk on his face. He says, stop standing there and put on some flowers. From east to west in Christ, he is at rest. It's, it's just fascinating. It's just fascinating to me to think about death and to think about how I'm living now, knowing that the one thing we all have in common, we all have this in common, we're going to die. And, and Paul died. So let's just walk through this and let's be very real about dealing with this a little bit. And how are we going to finish Number one in your outline, live knowing that my life is an offering to God. I, I want you to be challenged this year to really say, how can I offer my all to God? And am I already offering my all to God? I, I don't like the old game. I've heard this people say, if this was the last day of your life, how would you live? And that's how you should live every day. Well, I, I don't believe that. Because I don't think this is the last day of my life. I'd rather look at, if you knew you had 10 years, how are you going to live in 10 years? In which direction are you going? I don't want to live with panic in my day. I want to live with resolve. And that's what I think Paul did. In 2 Timothy, now Paul, he's writing his, his letter, his second letter to Timothy. Timothy is like, he calls him his young son in the faith. He loved Timothy. He believed him, mentored him. Uh, there's a long story of history there. But he writes this letter toward the end of his life. He knows he's, he's fading away, and he knows he's going to die. And I'm, I'm going to use these few verses in the context of our talk today. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, it says, and this is Paul, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. Now what he's doing here is he's using uh, an analogy from the Old Testament. In, in Genesis chapter 35, Jacob introduced what is called the drink offering. And this is an offering that's poured on the altar, symbolic of pouring everything out. If I took this and I poured it out on the ground, it's symbolic of saying, everything in here that I have is being offered. It's being given. So that when I take it back, there is nothing left. It's all on the altar. Sometimes we, we have that phrase, leave it all out there. And that's, that's kind of what that drink offering thing is. So Paul is using this idea to say, my life is being poured out like this offering. I, I have been spent. I have been consumed. I have given all that I am. What does it really mean to give God all that we are? You know, in Christian circles, and, and I don't like this very much, but it happens, we talk more about sacrifice and, and what, what we should give up. I think we should stop talking about what we should give up and talk about what we can give. Because you can give your life, you can give your time, you can give your talents, you can give your treasure, you can give those things to the kingdom of God. And it's not about withdrawing and, and giving up. I mean, there's things we probably will give up in our lives as God prompts us to. But it's really about being a giver from the soul. Will I finish? Will my life be an offering that's being poured out? Number two. Live 
ready to die. Live with the readiness that you could face death today and be okay. There's not a lot of unresolved stuff in your history. You can be at peace when you go to bed at night. These are, these are big things that a lot of the world just does not have. And they live with anxiety and worry. Um, the, the second part of verse 6, Paul says, The time of my death is near. Like, how did he know that? I don't know if the Holy Spirit was like just prompting him that, hey, you're, you're getting, or if he just was getting old and thought, I might, I could go any day. I think he knew in a spiritual sense that he was in trouble. That he was in trouble. And so he's saying, the time of death is near. You know, it's true that we don't know when we're going to die. It's true that we should live our lives on full and we should breathe every, everything in and take advantage of every opportunity that we have to live. Um, but I think there's something powerful when we know death will happen someday. And what do I want it to be like for those who remain after I die? Paul, in wrapping up his life, does this thing that to me is amazing. He has such freedom in recognizing the stages of life he's in. And when you're ready to die, threats don't really harm you. Fear can't grip you. Anxiety can't take you out. They, they arrested Paul one time, lots of times, but in this one city where he was preaching. And they beat him, and they brought him before the court, and they said, You either stop preaching the gospel, or we will kill you. And he said, Awesome. Great. Bring it on. He literally said to them, if you kill me, that means I will forever be with the Lord. That's a good deal. Go ahead. Bring it on. I mean, it freaked them out. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do with a guy like that? That Death is not a threat. Think about that. It, 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 there's freedom in having that resolve in our lives that say, death doesn't alarm me or scare me. It's not that I want to die. It's just that I'm not afraid of it because I believe in eternity. Paul knew his eternity was as real as his human life on this earth. So they basically, just to finish the story, they said, well, okay, get out of here. Just leave our town. It's <laughs> he, refreshing, kind of the mindset that he had. Number three, live with resolve. Live with resolve. Resolve is one of those words that has that tenacious spirit with it that kind of says, I will see this thing through. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep going. In verse 7, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. Wow. If you can say that near the end, you've done something, right? You've accomplished something. These are three really amazing statements. I have fought the good fight. It's saying that I gave my all and I never stopped. I, I fought this good fight. You know, what is it that I, I am willing to give my all to? What is it that I'm, I'm, it matters most in my life and I'm consumed by it? I have finished the race. I mean, that just has this, I've accomplished the things that I was meant to accomplish. And I don't know that we ever feel that fully, because I still have some things I want to do. I still have some dreams that I think God's put in my heart. But if I go out earlier than that, I'm going to at least go out with goals and dreams and trusting God for it. And I'm going to ask some of you this year to not be afraid when the Holy Spirit puts something in your heart to do or to say 
or to be, that you'll do it. That you'll live. I don't, I don't want to live dangerously in a weird way. But I want, I want us this year to not be afraid to be out there on that limb with God. That's what faith is. And, and some of you are going to start business. Some of you are going to start a family. Some of you are going to have big events and big things happen in your life. And I just want to challenge you to say, I have fought the good fight. And then he says, I have finished the race. Um, I, 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 have, I have remained faithful. Think about that. You know, when it comes to faithfulness and, and running the race, I'm not running your race. You're not running my race. You be you because you can be you. No one else can be you. And God has something in mind with you. So when you come to the end, and if you can say, I have remained faithful, it means I did not get sidetracked by all the issues that could come into my life. I, uh, I had an interesting experience yesterday. Oh, my goodness. I, I was, it was so beautiful out. And uh, the sun's coming out. The snow's melting. And I thought, I'm going to go wash Bonnie, my wife's car. And I love going to the car wash. I don't know why. It's weird. I, I, I think it's something practical because you just, you just, and I don't like for someone, someone else to do it. Like, I've done that before and it's okay. But, like, I like to go in there and get that wand thing and that pressure with that soap. And you just see the dirt coming off of that paint. And it's just the best feeling. You know what I'm saying? How many of you are with me on that? Okay, there's a few of us who are weird. Okay, we, we acknowledge well, anyway, you've got to be careful. When you pull into a car wash, and it was busy yesterday, lots of people washing their cars, and you try to pick the bay with the least amount of traffic in it because you want to get through there. And someone was just pulling out. When I pulled in, there was only one person in front of me. The others had like two cars waiting. And I felt kind of bad, cause, you know, but they were waiting, and I just kind of pulled in, and I was waiting only, only for the one in the bay. Well, I didn't realize, but... When she got out of the truck, it was one of these big one-ton dually truck, diesel trucks. This thing was massive. They're like the size of a football field. I mean, it barely fit in the bay. And I knew I was in trouble because she started out with like this little on the tires and the wheels. And she had to go all the way around that truck just getting, I mean, she didn't miss anything. Then she goes to the soapy and, and she's soaping this and she's getting in there. I mean, she's like going under, she's like climbs under the wheel well. I mean, almost. She practically disappeared under those wheels. She's up there reaching in there, you know, getting all this. And, and she, I remember one time I thought, thank God she's done with that quarter panel. You know, she comes around, she comes around this side. And then I saw her doing this and she looks, she looks back under there and she's like. She goes back in there and gets it again. She is just tenacious and everything and then she goes to the rinse i think it's 45 minutes has gone by probably five cars in every other bay has already been through and i blew it and then she gets the rinse and takes forever and then she gets the little spot free thing and puts it on there i just i just thought if i ever if i ever have anyone else wash my car i want it to be her You know why? Because she had resolve. She wasn't going to let any dirt remain on her truck. And sometimes when we live our lives, we let life bring to us the stuff that it brings to us. And it consumes us. And all of our jelly beans are taken. And I just want to say to you today, if you live with resolve, and you take the reins of your life, and you say, God, spin me. Use me in a way that, that I've never been used before. Let 2015 be a year 
where I see your hand in my life and you will spin me in the way that honors you. I'm in for that. I want that for you guys. I want it for me. Number four, live with the end in mind. Live with the end in mind. Paul's about to say an interesting thing. He's going to now go post-life on us. Like, after he dies, what's going to happen? And he says this in verse 8. And now that I'm dead, is what he's saying, the prize awaits me, or that I'm going to be dead. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Now, I love this about Paul because he switches, he switches something on me that as a kid I sort of struggled with. Because how many of you felt guilty a lot as a kid? I, you could never measure up. You, you know, church, you have to do this and do that, and you could never kind of measure up. And I had a great family, great church experience, but it definitely was kind of in a little bit in that legalistic mindset of, you know, pay attention. And, and it wasn't bad. It was great, but it was challenging. And this flips the tables because Paul is actually saying, I cannot wait to see God. And for some of you, that's not been your experience. You're kind of like, whoa, that's going to be kind of scary to see God. Because I hope I've done enough. I hope I measured up. I hope he's not mad at me. You know, I saw a bumper sticker one time that said, Jesus is coming back. And boy, is he ticked off. And that's the mindset sometimes that people have with God. Paul says, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to be in the presence of God because I have run the race. See, that's when you have the resolve, then you can look forward to that day because there's nothing hidden. You're not living with a bunch of secrets. And God can use you and bless you. I think it's powerful to think like that instead of so often how we think. So make the journey. Part of your goal. I one of the things that I really enjoy is um, planning a road trip, and we don't do it very often. But Bonnie and I hop on a motorcycle every now and then, and take a little Colorado road trip. One time we took a long road trip up into Canada. It was just beautiful. But planning that trip was like as fun as taking it, because you can get on Google Maps. Just try this if you've never done it. It's exciting, and it costs a lot less than actually going. You know. But you put, your, you put your destination in there, and then you put where you're going, and then a little line is drawn up the highway to that spot. And you can pick your routes, you can pick scenic routes, and then you pick the next spot, and another little line goes. And then pretty soon you've got lines going all over. But here's the thing. You've got to have the end in mind if you want to plan on getting back home. So by the time you're done, you have this amazing journey all over the country, depending on how far you go. But it's going to loop back down here to this place because that's where you want to end up. That's why someone told me the other day they don't run. They said, um, because when I run five miles, I'm too tired to come home. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> when I stand before God, I want to look at that map of my life. And I want to know that I enjoyed the journey. And it wasn't just about where it ends. It was about the journey that I was on. I want you to look at your life. And I want you to see all those places that God strategically moved you. And I want you to be able to say, I was obedient. I did what God wanted me to do. Now, I 
I'm going to wrap. I'm going to wrap up with this finishing well means. Now, sometimes I do this, and sometimes I don't. But one of the things we're really committed to at Timberline is practical, um, vulnerable teaching, right from the Word of God. When I study, I, I typically build. We build our outlines. Uh, we we get our topics, and our our team studies these passages out, and then we build outlines individually for the weekend that go on the bulletin. But then we, we fill all that in. And when I study, I have a moment when I have this application page, and I will post things on there that, that are for me. Because I never want to just teach without learning. And, and so this happened to be on my application page that I thought would be just for me. But I, at the very last, decided to put it in here. But I want you to make your own list of what does it mean to finish well for you. Okay? And it might be some of these that might be different. But I want you to think about this. How will you know at the end that you have finished well? This is my list. Number one, I know I have finished well if I have lived in obedience to God. That is the bottom line for the mission of my life, is to live in obedience to God. And that involves a lot of things. But I want to obey Him. It really is the bottom line. Number two, I know I have finished well if I have given myself fully to the right things. Here's the thing with this. In ministry right now, a church like Timberline and other ministries in this community, you've got to choose what you're going to give yourself to because you cannot give yourself to everything. If you give yourself to everything, you're not going to be effective in anything. And so what are the things, the right things? And that's a dilemma for me because I like ministry. I like so many aspects of, of different things. But I have to give myself to the right things. I watched a mom in a grocery store the other day with three kids, probably five and under, and, and she had the big car cart, you know, and a couple of them were in there turning around. And they got into a little hassle, and mom was trying to fix it, and the other one's running around grabbing stuff off the side. I just thought, oh, God, thank you that my kids are raised. <laughs> but you know what I love? You know what I love? I love the fact that I can, with Bonnie, I can stand here and say, we, we gave ourselves fully. To our kids and I that means everything to me now because that season is is over and I can't go back and get it do I have a few regrets of course I do but nothing major and for some of you raising kids right now for some of you in the middle of life that's different than someone else's life make sure you pick the right things that you're giving your time talent and treasure to because those windows those seasons change as your life matures so give yourself to the right things. Number three, I know that I have finished well if I have fully loved. If I have fully loved. Do you know that you can live your life with kind of a tough guy, tough gal mindset that really doesn't let people in? Because sometimes it's easier. It's easier sometimes to not really fully love or be loved. Because love is a vulnerable, vulnerable thing. Because if you are committed to fully loving, that means you're going to be learning more every day about what love is. When I first told Bonnie that I loved her, I didn't know what I was talking about. But I I will tell you, I loved her to the full extent of what I knew love was. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? So now, my definition has changed. My knowledge has changed. The depth of my understanding of what love is has changed. And that's what life does for us if we are committed to fully loving. 
If you check out at any point in life and you say, I'm done, I'm never getting in another relationship again, you'll stop. You, you will cease learning how to fully love. It's a willful decision. Number four, I know that I have finished well if I have left a path that others can follow. And I don't have any big goals for people following me. I don't mean it like that in an arrogant sense. But Paul, when he wrote this to Timothy, guess what? He thought he was writing it to Timothy. Who have we been talking about for the last three weekends? Paul. Do you think when he wrote this, he's going, oh, this is so cool because in 2,000 years, Timberline's going to be doing a whole series on me. No. He had no idea. But that's how legacy is made. I'm going to say something that's going to seem exaggerated, and it might be, but if someone would have said it to Paul, he would have felt it was exaggerated. Your life and your willful decisions and your decisions to finish well in the name of the Lord, to do His mission, could impact millions of people over hundreds of years. You say, well, no, I'm not big enough. I'm not. You don't know that. You don't know what one act or one thing, one job. You don't know the connection of, of sharing your faith and being the person God's calling you to be. You don't know the influence that you have when you're fully released to God. And so today I want us just to take a moment and open our hearts and say, God, how can I finish well? I want you to finish the stuff that you've started in me. So let's pray together. Lord.